Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. Let the madness begin, and a wonderful year for the three area schools here, KUK State and Missouri, just three of 28 universities in the country that have qualified for the NCAA tournament and play in a bowl game. So it doesn't get much better than this. It's not a long list of years that this has happened for all three of these schools, but what a run 2022-2023 has been as the Kansas Jayhawks are a one seed in the NCAA tournament, but after a really pitiful performance Saturday against the Texas Longhorns will not be in the Midwest region and play in Kansas City. They move west to play in Las Vegas. Kansas State goes to the east. They head for Greensboro where they'll play Montana State in what could be the last game of the first round. They're scheduled at this point to be the second to last game at 8.40 p.m. on Friday night. And the Missouri Tigers will take on Utah State, playing at essentially the same time as Kansas on Thursday, which is a bit of a bummer when it comes to the way these matchups have been played out as KU and MU will play at basically the same time. Missouri starts at 12.40 on Thursday. Kansas starts at 1 o'clock against Howard. There is much to discuss about the brackets. Of course, everyone has their opinion. I love this NCAA tournament this year. It does not look like a scratch tournament to me. It is, Kansas is the blue blood in this tournament. I don't think a lot of people think of UCLA as a blue blood anymore. Arizona never really reached that level. Purdue's playing, Purdue and Alabama are playing as well as anyone, and nobody thinks of those as blue blood basketball programs. Houston's the winningest team over the last several years. They got beat on Saturday. We've seen that. Marquette and Xavier are supposed to be very, very good this year. They're seated very highly in this tournament, but nobody's really watched them play or knows a whole lot about them. North Carolina isn't in the field. They've turned down the NIT. Kentucky has played well of late, but I don't think anybody will be surprised if Kansas State plays Kentucky on Sunday and beats Kentucky. We love seeing this. Duke is better. Duke certainly has come along the last few weeks and, and finished pretty strong in the ACC, but We love the way this field shapes up, and yes, Kansas is the blue blood in the field. They are the one seed that's the blue blood and in that position, but there are so many storylines around the Kansas Jayhawks that there simply is no predicting what's going to happen for them in this tournament. A lot of people think the West is the loaded region. I don't believe that, but but I'll just tell you this. I cherry-pick some of my bias and, and knock it right at the door by looking at the good teams, the higher seeds that Kansas will have in that bracket. When we look at UCLA, we look at Gonzaga, we look at UConn, and I look at those teams that you always look at the top 16 in the field. So you look at Kansas and then the two, the three, and the four. What I like about the teams that KU has drawn, this is the good. There's bad coming too, but this is the good. What I like about these teams is they're not from good leagues, right? These aren't, these are not the battle-tested, you know, Purdue through the Big Ten or, you know, some of the, the gauntlets that we've seen a lot of teams run. Now, For whatever reason, the Pac-12 the last few years has been pretty good in this tournament. They don't get highly rated throughout the season. They don't look like they're some sort of a really big super league, but they've played well. They've done better than expected. Nobody's going to confuse this year's Gonzaga team with one of Mark Few's best teams. They're they're great. They're they're always good, 28-5. and They're certainly capable. They've got a couple of veterans on their team. This is a really good coach who knows what he's doing. And then UConn. Okay, great. If, if that's what it comes down to, you're going to play UConn, you'll take that. I, I love what Kansas has here. The bad is what they may have in their second game. And what I do when I look at all these teams in the tournament is I look at, okay, how many teams out there that if they play their best game, 
can take the game to the finish, to the wire with a chance to beat Kansas. In other words, if Kansas is close to its best game, let's say, and then let's say Arkansas is close to its best game, what happens? That's going to be a really good game. I mean, Arkansas has got a couple of players that could go in the top 10 of the draft here. Nick Smith Jr. is fantastic. He could be a top five pick. Anthony Black is an awesome young player. I mean, they've got NBA talent all over the Arkansas roster. They just never really put anything together this year. They never got that consistency. And maybe it's the youth. Maybe it's the SEC is really good. Alabama's terrific. Missouri's playing great down the stretch. What a win over Tennessee. We'll get to Missouri more in a moment. But when we look around and say, okay, how are you battle tested? What do you have? And how does it shape up here? Arkansas has been to -to back-to-back elite eights. And they have NBA talent. So the talent disparity won't be there for Kansas if they play Arkansas. If they play Illinois, Illinois is capable of playing 10-minute stretches as well as anybody in the country. They have beaten UCLA and Texas this year. Okay, Illinois can be really, really good. Can they for 40 minutes? Is the game too long? I don't know. Who do you want to play if you're Kansas in that second game? I think you probably want to play Illinois. But you want to talk about battle-tested in a league with a whole bunch of good teams? I think the second game for Kansas is actually a little bit trickier than the rest of the bracket that they're in. We'll see how it plays out. But, and again, this could just totally be my bias looking at the second game being a battle-tested SEC or Big Ten team. And Kansas probably not not in full stride by Saturday, I wouldn't think. Bill Self, what is he? At some point, he's going to do a news conference. He's going to be asked questions. This is a really weird story. Now, Culler had the back injury, but then we saw him make a TikTok video over the weekend and playing the drums and cymbals or whatever, and so he looks like he's doing better. But I think Kansas is just a really interesting question mark right now. And I didn't think that even with Bill Self in the hospital last week, when I watched them play their first two games, I loved the way they played defensively. And I thought, well, this is a pretty simple thing. It sounded like Bill Self was going to be out in very quick order. There were some erroneous reports on Friday that he was out and headed home on Friday. That didn't happen. Let me uh, let me reset this story for you here. Bill Self just spent five days in the hospital for a heart condition. Five days in the hospital with a heart condition. And he's going to turn around in less time than that and coach a basketball game. Something's weird here, okay? This story, uh, we'll get more information. Maybe that's Monday. Bill Self at some point will meet with the media and they will ask questions. What, what I don't really understand about the Bill Self situation as it pertains to Kansas is it sort of seemed like this was nothing new. This story just, it, it got treated and here it was. And I've not seen a report where anybody said he had a prior condition or he had a prior surgery last summer. There was that, remember there was that five, six week period where Bill Self disappeared. You guys remember that last summer? You remember last summer they said, oh, we're taking him off the road. It's an in-house suspension for the NCAA wrongdoings. And Bill Self disappeared and didn't recruit and didn't do anything. He was like out of sight for several weeks. Do you remember that? There's been some strange things going on. And I've been around enough teams to know that they're not going to tell you everything they're doing, nor should they, nor do they have to, especially it pertains to somebody's health. I'll defend Bill Self to the mat, that he has every right to say or not say whatever he wants related to his health. But my takeaway from this, and I don't have a source, I don't have somebody telling me this, my takeaway from all this was that this was sort of routine, and Kansas portrayed that as this. Oh yeah, Bill Self's in the hospital, we're putting a couple stents in his heart, 
And uh, he's going to be just fine. He'll be out here in a couple of days and he's going to coach next week. It almost felt like everybody around this thing knew about it before it happened. Was this the first incident? Did he get chest pain and dizziness and rush to the hospital? And all of a sudden, wow, you got massive blockage here. We got to go right into surgery and we got to put two stents in your heart, in your arteries, to your heart. Is that what happened? Because that's what happened. I just, well, I know that there would just be more shock. There'd be people saying, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. We had no idea. It was, this is just so stunning to us. I've not heard one person, anybody that knows, anybody in the inner circle, there was no surprise by any of this, which leads to more questions than answers with Bill Self. Honestly, it really does. It leads to a lot of questions, a lot of answers. Of course, I've received emails. Of course, I've talked to people. Of course, I've heard things that I'm not going to repeat here and I'm not going to report to anybody on this podcast because it, unless I hear it from Bill Self or the university, what's the point? What's the point? You're going to get into some public spat, tit for tat, back and forth, not going to do it, don't care that much no, I don't I, about the story. I care about Bill Self and you know the program and all those things, but I don't care about doing the story all that much on the podcast. But I, I just want to give you that my takeaway from this is nobody seems surprised. I, I don't I don't know one person that their reaction was, oh my God, Bill Self's in the hospital for five days with a heart condition. That's a big deal. You know how hard it is to stay in the hospital for five days? That is really hard, folks. These, these things happen quick. I've been doing all this research all weekend long, reading about different heart conditions, different procedures. If you went in for um, an aortic valve replacement, some of those are done without cutting the chest open, and you can be out of the hospital the next day. That's a valve replacement they can do. HVAR is what it's called, the heart valve. They can, they can do this thing and have you out discharged the next day. There are things like that they can do all over the place. This was two stents, and he's there five days? And I don't know. I, I, abundance of caution, maybe? A lot of things. But I don't, five days in the hospital, he's just going to turn around and coach? Okay. I, look, man gets to do what he wants. He can do whatever he wants. I'm sure he feels better today. And I know he got great treatment. And I know stents, I know people with stents in their arteries. I know them. And I know how much better they feel after getting them in. They feel like new people. They say it almost immediately. Oh, I just feel completely differently. I feel so much better with these in. I just, my whole takeaway from the Bill Self heart condition is the overwhelming response of it being no big deal and the overwhelming feeling that nobody was surprised. I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by it. I'm not saying there's anything worse here. I'm not predicting anything bad. I was just surprised with the way all the news was handled. And I'm surprised at the little detail and the, and really the lack of curiosity in the media. Uh, you know, everybody got scared. It, it immediately reported, hey, heart attack. KU shot that down and said it was not a heart attack. It was a cardiac event. All right, whatever. Two stents are in his heart. As I said last week on the podcast, I'm pretty sure that the media reports are going to be a lot closer and more accurate and more informational than what we were getting from Kansas early on. We got more detail on Sunday as to what took place, and they verified that there's two stents in there and that he feels good. Did the stents replace other stents? Were the stents a follow-up to a previous procedure? It, were, were you stunned when you got to the hospital Wednesday 
And the doctor said, oh my God, you have a heart condition? I mean, if you, if you had no prior knowledge, no warning, no anything, I mean, this could be like a life-changing event. The second you hear from your doctor, oh boy, you got two clogged arteries. We got to rush you in here and put these stents in here. Or this could be really bad for you. You know, the widowmaker could be around the corner. It's like a life-changing event. And the whole thing has been treated like, eh, no big deal. You got a couple stents in there. He's good to go. Let's go coach basketball games. I, I Maybe I would have seen things like that in my 20s and 30s and not questioned them. But I think as you get older, uh, you, you begin to think a little bit about your own mortality a little bit more. And you start to think, okay, Bill Self's been there, done that on the basketball floor. You only get one shot at life, right? You get one shot at getting this health thing right and living a long life. I don't know, man. The whole story to me seems weird. And there's, look, there's not an aura around the Kansas team. This is a good basketball team. It's a very good basketball team. It's a one seed. When they play their best basketball, it's because they play great defense and Grady Dick is involved. When they don't do those, as Saturday they did neither, their defense was horrendous, and Grady Dick was covered all night and forced shots, they're not very good. They could be beaten by a lot of teams. They have all these quad one wins. They have seven quad one losses. There's plenty of good teams that can beat Kansas. This is going to be harder this year for them. Now, again, they got the best coach in the field, and if he's well and you know everything's humming along, they have the best coach in the field. That helps tremendously. They have an all-world player in Jalen Wilson, which everybody wants. Everybody's got to have a stud. Bama's got one in Brandon Miller. Houston's got one in Marcus Sasser. There's, these teams have studs. you got to have your stud, and they've got theirs. To me, the key here is when Kansas defends and Grady Dick is involved, they're going to beat anybody. They're going to beat almost anybody. When they don't do those two other things, they're beatable, and they're beatable beginning in their second game. Arkansas or Illinois could punch them out in that scenario. It's just an interesting year. And that's a, we're talking about a one seed with flaws here. And sure, Kansas can win the whole thing. I think they could lose their second game. I, I love that about this tournament. I just think there's a lot of teams in the same spot. When I look around the field and I start to say, okay, A game versus A game. And now I'm not talking about A plus versus A minus. Let's just, if you just both go out and play your game. I'm pretty comfortable right now saying Texas beats Kansas. I've seen it. I see where they are at this point in the year. I saw it two Saturdays in a row. It wasn't close. Those teams don't look that close to me. Texas looks way better than Kansas. Alabama looks better than Kansas. Alabama looks better than Kansas. Purdue could be a nightmare for Kansas. Now, these are obviously high seeds, and they'd have to get to the Final Four to lose to one of these teams. And that's three weeks away. And you may be playing completely different ball in three weeks than you are now. All we can analyze is right here, where are we today? And Kansas doesn't have to play any of those teams this weekend. So that's a good thing. I do think the Jayhawks need some time in this tournament. They need time to get normalcy back. It is a big deal, okay, between if they can get these two wins, the difference between today on Monday, where they are after the selections came out, and where they might be 10 days from now playing in Las Vegas is an eternity. Bill Self back for 10 days is a big deal. They just got to get through this weekend. I think this week's the tough week. The first game is a piece of cake. They're a 22-point favorite. Nobody cares much about the Howard game. We know Kansas is going to win. They're going to win easily. They could probably win with their backups in this one. Then I think they get a, uh, well, they may not get a real test from their opponent, but their opponent is absolutely capable of testing them. And it will probably be about the opponent. Whether Arkansas or Illinois plays well, 
matters. Can they get the scouting report? Can they play the proper defense on Grady Dick? It, it's, it could get pretty interesting pretty quickly. Kansas State, I don't know what more you could ask for. I mean, they, they're, they're living off of a hot early start. They beat Baylor twice. They beat Texas. They beat Kansas. And that's what they're living off of. We mentioned on the podcast last week, Kansas State with a thud against TCU finished the season six and seven. Where in the losses, they gave up 81 a game. And in the wins, they gave up 60 a game. Here's the stunning statistic for Kansas State and how to predict how they're going to do in the tournament. Since February 1st, there are 360 teams in the country. K-State is number 340 in turnovers. Kansas State, since February 1st, has turned it over on almost 22% of its possessions. More than one in five. Every five trips down the floor, Kansas State dribbles off their leg and doesn't get a shot off. And they've still somehow won six games over that time period. It's a stunning... K-State is, again, we talk about A games. That's, that's all there is in this tournament. Because if you don't play well, you're done. Your season's over. Everybody knows that. So the question for K-State, Missouri, Kansas, all of them really, is if you go out and play well tonight, where do you go? Well, if K-State goes out and plays well, they could win three games in a row here. They could. If they go play their best game, they can do it. Their A game is really good. Noel dishing and scoring. Keontae Johnson putting 20 on the board. Uh, you know, the big guys rebounding and playing some rim defense, taking care of the ball. You know, it, it seems like a low bar, but maybe just turn it over like 11 times instead of 22. <laughs> you know, it seems like a low bar. Just go do that. Could Kansas State find itself in an Elite Eight game? Sure. Could they get to a Final Four? It seems unlikely. They've never looked like a Final Four team to me. They've never looked like that. They never looked like the two seed people said they were. But you know what? They don't look like a three seed to me either. They look four seed would there have been no complaining at K State if they were a four seed. No matter where they got sent, there would have been no complaining. And they got the kiss on the cheek of the three. And I actually like the fact that they are likely to play Kentucky in their second game. Likely. Could be Providence, but likely to play Kentucky. And I think that's a good thing. I think in a quick turnaround, put Kansas State up against the Blue Blood. And I think it just gets the juices flowing a little bit more. I think that is good for Kansas State. I think they would have, I think they could be more focused and more into the game at tip-off against Kentucky than Providence. And I think that matters, because I don't know that there's a giant difference between Kentucky and Providence. I think either one is capable of beating K-State, but I think if K-State goes out and plays well, Kentucky has shown they've got some huge flaws in their game. They lost to Georgia down the stretch. They lost to Vanderbilt twice down the stretch. I mean, Kentucky has some huge flaws. Yes, they've played better in the last month. Yes. Yes, they're one of the 25 or 30 best teams. They are, and they've got some the big guy, I mean, they've got massive talent, but Calipari isn't a great coach. They're always a scattered team. We watch them play. They can be beaten. Kansas State can beat Kentucky. They can't beat Kentucky if they play like they did against TCU the other night. They can beat anybody if they play like that. So that's why we always say, tell me how they play. They're going to play a good game. If Kansas State plays well in two games, they advance. They make the Sweet 16. Missouri, I think, can play two really good games and not advance. I think Arizona's a game is probably just too much here uh, for the Missouri Tigers. Missouri's actually a Vegas underdog in their first game against Utah State, but I do like Missouri. I like the way they have played down the stretch. I like the fact that they've been winning. 
winning matters. Uh, being hot matters. Beating Tennessee was a big deal. That was an excellent performance by Missouri. Dennis Gates has his team, I think, playing the best they've played this year. They're playing better defense than they have. And let's not forget, Missouri was a lot better against Alabama than A&M was. A lot better. Missouri was a lot better. They stayed within that game. They had a chance. They got that thing deep into the second half and had a chance. Bama pulled away. Missouri's SEC tournament ended. But this went, for, for a team that we don't really project as a Final Four caliber team, this has gone about as well as it could go for Missouri down the stretch. They beat everybody they are supposed to beat. Then they knocked off Tennessee. They played Alabama really tough. They're going to the NCAA tournament. They have to have some confidence going. Uh, we love what Dennis Gates has done with the program. And I'm, I'm, my money's going to be on Mizzou here. And again, a lot of this is the battle-tested thing. Missouri's just played more good teams than Utah State, and I, I, I just think that matters. So let's, let's go check this thing out. Missouri's beaten Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee this year. They've beaten plenty of teams in this field, plenty of good teams. I'd love to see it. This is, the, this is where you just become Cinderella at that point. Win your first game and then go try to knock off the big bad guy on the block. And uh, who wouldn't love the opportunity to see Missouri do that? It'd be wonderful. They'll get a chance to play against Arizona, probably. Though Arizona, you know, they, you, you really don't want to play Princeton. You remember, I mean, Kansas had a couple of games against Princeton, it reminds me, that were just too uncomfortable. The slow pace, the really good coaching and spacing, the completely different style. Uh, look, Arizona's A game is ridiculous. It's really, really good. When they're on, they're insanely good. Uh, I just, let's go, Mizzou. Let's go. Let's just get everybody winning in the first round. Let's have a good full weekend of basketball and see where this all plays out. Should be a great, great tournament. Love some of the... The, the, the teams you have to love in this tournament, Alabama, Arizona, UCLA, Purdue, Kansas, Houston. I'm leaving some out. Texas is playing great. Marquette and Xavier are said to just be sensational teams this year. I've seen these other teams. I've not really seen Marquette or Xavier. I watched one Xavier game earlier when they played Cincinnati for a little while, but I didn't think of them in terms of, hey, this could be a team to beat come March. Now, there's a lot of people thinking there's 15, 20 teams but if they just go play well, they can make the Final Four, which would obviously make a season for so many of these programs. If you'd like to go see the basketball this week, whether you're going to Des Moines or Sacramento or Greensboro or anywhere you're going, ticketsforless.com has tickets to all regions, all teams, all sessions. Ticketsforless.com. Use the promo code KKHI at checkout or when you call the number 913-685-3322 and when you do that, you save typically 5 to 15% off whatever they're charging for these tickets. Save money at ticketsforless.com. Your promo code is KKHI. Roberts Robinson is the official automobile dealership of Kevin Keatsman has issues. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and Excelsior Springs is the home of the lifetime warranty. It's free. It's included with all new vehicles. That's a big savings for you. You also right now have a $100 rebate on a set of four tires. If you're ready for some new tires on your car, they're more than happy to come get your car, put the tires on, service it, change the oil, whatever, and bring it back to you. Just call 816-826-1563 for this incredible service from robertsrobinson.com. And Back Nine Development, your custom builder. He's got three custom homes he's building right now in Kansas City. They also do work in the Lawrence area, Topeka, Manhattan, commercial projects. You've got some land that you were thinking about developing or you're interested in finding out what could be a good use for it, 
Contact TJ. Just let him buy you lunch and sit down and shoot the breeze a little bit and say, hey, what do we got here? What are we thinking about with this? 785-236-0161. You may be a perfect match for Back 9 Development. You want to see their portfolio of projects? They're online at back9development.com. All right, we can't not speak about Mayor Q sitting with Shaquille O'Neal at the Big 12 tournament on Saturday. Looked about as uncomfortable as anything you've ever seen. It, it, it was not a good look for Mayor Q, who normally most of his photo ops and things he does are really good look for him because he looks cool and he acts cool and most of his things like this go really well. Shaq Daddy just didn't seem interested. He looked crowded. He looked like his chair was too small. He was bleeding over into Mayor Q's chair. It didn't look like Shaq was even remotely interested in talking to Mayor Q every time they showed him. And what I thought was here, I, Shaq's a smart guy. He's a conservative. He says a, a ton of conservative things, especially as it pertains to law enforcement and law and order. I may be reading too much into it. But it looked to me like Shaq did his homework and knew who he was sitting next to and thought, you know what? This man's my brother right here, but I don't have that much in common with him. That's kind of what it looked like to me. I don't know what it looked like to you. It looked like one wanted to be sitting next to the other and the other didn't. Poor Mayor Q. This is on the heels of, it's also, you know, I, I know he's a huge KU fan. Mayor Q is. It's just, KU is such Kansas City's team, and I know it drives Missouri fans crazy. K-State fans sort of accept this and don't care, but it drives Missouri fans crazy that so many people in Missouri are KU fans. And like Mayor Q's right there. He's right there on, on the court. He's sitting with Shaq. It's the Big 12 tournament. It's in a state that doesn't even have a team in the league. Whole thing's just strange to me. But KU is Kansas City's NBA team. They are, and that's why you get people like Shaq, uh, who was the lady, Jordan Sparks, that came and sang the anthem. She had a Love KC jacket on. Did you see that? It, was, it looked to me like it was covering up a KU shirt. I'm like, this tournament, good for Texas. Come on, let's just pat Texas on the back. Their coach got arrested and then fired, and their interim coach is going to be their head coach, and he's doing a great job. Great job. They're playing very well. You got to come to Kansas City. Nobody in Texas really cares about basketball. They come to Kansas City for crying out loud. Shaq's over there. They fly Dick Vitale in for the game. We got Shaq Daddy. We got Jordan Sparks singing the anthem. They give her a Kansas City jacket as she appears to be wearing that over a KU t-shirt. It's the freaking KU Invitational. And then Texas goes out and did what they did. Good for them. That's what sports is all about. It's not supposed to be uneven. And I think maybe the committee said, you know what, enough. Enough of KU in Kansas City. They didn't do enough to earn it. They just got pounded. They didn't do enough to earn it. We're not going to just gift that back to them to go there and have their home crowd. Go on out to Vegas, play on the neutral site, and of course, the reaction immediately from KU is, oh, this will be good for us. This will be good for us. That's probably what we need is to get shipped out. Focus is up. A couple of players have a chip on their shoulder now. That can work. I'm not saying that can't work. That absolutely can't work. Uh, but I think, I think Mayor Q, if he goes to Vegas or... Des Moines to see his beloved Jayhawks. I think uh, I think he'll have a little more comfortable seat than sitting next to Shaq. That did not that did not go well, and they did not want to talk politics because Shaq would have won the debate. Shaq, Daddy, the Diesel, Shaq Diesel, he would have won that debate. I don't think there's any question about it. All right, on to baseball and spring training for the Royals, where they are 14 and two, and plus 54 in run differential. 
They got a bunch of players off playing in the World Baseball Classic right now. It doesn't seem to matter. The Royals just keep winning. They're 14 and two for crying out loud. They beat Cleveland on Sunday. This is ridiculous. There are some, better than the record, there are some things happening that have my attention with the Royals. There, there, there are some surprises. It looks like there's some players on the roster and maybe some players that you know get beat out and don't really have a role. And I have said for the last two years, and I love this guy. He's a great guy. I enjoy watching him play. I res- my respect level for Nicky Lopez is off the charts. He plays the game the right way. He is making the most out of what God gave him. All those things. They're talking like Nicky Lopez may not have a spot here. He just maybe could get beaten out. Bobby Witt's playing shortstop. Michael Massey's your second baseman. Michael Garcia's a player that looks like a tremendous utility player that's having a great spring that could get the spot. Hard to say. But Nicky Lopez is off playing in the World Baseball Classic for Team Italy. But Nicky Lopez has six hits in this thing in three games. He's batting 500. He has five RBIs. No strikeouts. Again, it's the World Baseball Classic. Nobody's playing better than Salvador Perez for Venezuela. Venezuela is in the pool of death, they called it. Venezuela was in a pool with Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. They went out and beat Dominican Republic, and then Sunday night pounded Puerto Rico 9-6. to Salvi went 4-4. Four for four. He had a home run, a boatload of RBIs, didn't get the triple or he would have had the cycle. And Venezuela is now the team to beat in the pool of death in the World Baseball Classic. Team USA goes out and just gets smoked. Bobby Witt's on that team. Brady Singer is on that team. I don't think either one of them got in the game on Sunday night. They got smoked by Mexico, 11-5. to It's the second worst loss for Team USA in the history of this event. Uh, Mark DeRose is the manager for Team USA, and apparently he's got all kinds of pitching restrictions from the major league clubs that have handed down restrictions on the American players that maybe don't exist on some other teams. That's not an excuse when you get pounded 11 to 5 by Mexico. There's something wrong. Baseball's a funny game. Any given night, we know that. There's no definitive statement, hey, if you played 162 games that Mexico would finish ahead of the United States. But on this particular night, it was a beatdown. It was not a very good look playing in Phoenix. Team USA, not a a good performance there. The World Baseball Classic is going on. Right now, Salvador Perez may be the biggest star in it. You want to talk about, I mean, he's he's a megastar in the U.S., but my God, Venezuela, he just, he hit a home run last night. It was just such a salvy slam. Just hammered it and lumbered around the bases. God, I love salvy. I just love that guy, man. I don't, know, I don't know how long it goes on, but it looks like he's ready for another year hitting some more bombs, and he's doing it right now for Team Venezuela, which is pretty darn cool to see. But the point being here, the Royals have talent spread across the World Baseball Classic, and they're still winning. And I was talking to a friend over the weekend. I said, I'm more excited that the best players are gone and the Royals are still winning than when those players were there. And he said, why? I said, because now we're talking about players that were unexpected. We're talking about waiver wire guys, guys you pick up, minor leaguers maybe that are coming into their own. They've changed some things in the way they're developing pitchers and players. And this has been implemented over the last few months. And now maybe that's making a difference. Do I see a player that's 22 years old that I'm really excited about going, wow, that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer? No, I don't. But it seems like they have a collection of guys that belong and that no matter who they're playing in any of these games, they're not overmatched by anybody they're up against and they just keep winning. 
And it does matter. I'm not going to sit here and predict the Royals are going to be a 500 team or better. I'm not going to do that because I know better than to get too excited about spring training. But I do think it's important to say there are good signs everywhere. Everywhere. Individual performances, team performances, the way they're managing games, the way they're approaching games, the way they're doing things. There's just nothing but positives out there. And who doesn't love stuff like that? Here's a positive for your business. Uh, you should meet with Mark Lindquist and his team at 360 Document Solutions. If your business is in the western part of Missouri, or if your business is anywhere in the state of Kansas, these folks can help you out. Dump those expensive copiers with HP Toner. Get yourself a new deal. They'll get you out of the leash you currently have. Get you in less expensive, better products. Isn't that what business is all about? Becoming more efficient. For a free analysis of all your document technology, your IT programs, and a complete review of your current costs, 360 Document Solutions will present to you a program that could be cheaper and have real, tangible benefits. Online, 360documentsolutions.com. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, online at advantagetpc.com. I think our services this month are going to be out in a couple of weeks. Get sprayed up here before the little critters come out this spring. If you want to get on an annual plan, now is the time to call Advantage Termite and Pest Control before you see bugs or rodents. 913-768-8989, online at advantagetpc.com. And what in the world are you waiting on for your new epoxy flooring of your garage? Spring is the best time of year to get on the schedule and get your new garage floor from AmazingGarageFloors.net. Over 16 years in business, John and Heather Hutchins have installed over 10,000 garage floors. Woo! Six million square feet of epoxy flooring. Do it. AmazingGarageFloors.net. Guys, you're going to love your garage. 913-901-7139 or log on to AmazingGarageFloors.net. Um, this isn't really sports, but I, I can't finish on this story because I got two good ones left. I want to finish on something more fun than a bummer. But this is sports, but it isn't sports. A South African soccer player, a footballer, age 28, becomes the latest athlete and soccer player to unexpectedly just collapse and die. This happened over the weekend as they were practicing. Down he goes. Dead on the spot. No details. They say no details, pending, discussing with the family. We're going to talk this over. I don't know what happens when we have high-profile things happening, where media will ask questions, where complete departments of communication and public relations work a story. And I don't want to link the two other than the way the teams are talking about the events. Do you remember when DeMar Hamlin went down? Mm, no comment. We don't know. It's not, we just don't know. We can't say we don't know. They let everybody say they thought it was a, a freak shot to the heart, knocked it out of rhythm. That's what it was. It seems plausible to me. I'm not denying that or, or in any way, shape, or form. Then DeMar Hamlin did an interview with Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan said, so what actually happened? What did your doctor say? And this was what? A month later? Five weeks later? And DeMar Hamlin said, I'm still talking to my doctors about that. What? You're still talking to your doctors about that? 28-year-old player goes down in South Africa, soccer player, and he doesn't survive. He doesn't have 25 doctors around him 
clearly didn't get the attention that DeMar Hamlin did. Nobody in America will care or remember that this man died. But it's now a long list of young athletes that have just collapsed and died. And not just in soccer, multiple sports, some of them extreme sports, some of them outdoor sports, climbers, bikers, all kinds of young athletes just dying. And the club in South Africa said, we have no details. We can't tell you anything. You know, in respect to the family, we're notifying the family all this and that. Well, they're going to wait days and days. So what happens during that time period? Who gets to these people? Is there like, is I, like the World Health Organization? Is Dr. Fauci on the phone with this family? Who, who are the people that we don't know about behind the scenes that anytime somebody high profile goes down, we get no information for a long period of time. And then in many cases, after a long period of time, they say, we're still sorting through it. Still sorting through something six weeks later is a lie. That's a lie. Because you treated the person, you released the person, the person is doing very well, and you don't do that without diagnosing what their problem is. Right? Bill Self's out of the hospital. He's in good condition. He feels good. He's going to go coach again. Okay? They diagnosed exactly what went wrong, and they treated it. Don't tell me you don't know. Tamar Hamlin, no, we don't really know what happened there. Soccer player, South Africa, oh, I can't really say. Well, who gets to these people? What happens? Is there, look, I'm not, you know this about me. You know I'm not like a big conspiracy guy, but this COVID thing's a completely different deal. We talk about myocarditis and heart problems in young athletes. This is a completely different deal. It's the time gap that gets to me. There's already been plenty of time for somebody in some powerful position to get to this soccer club and say, here's, what, here's how we're going to handle this. You're not going to say anything about this for quite some time. And then when you do, it's going to be gray areas. I don't think I trust any of it anymore. And I can't believe the number of athletes that are going down. They're just falling. Again, different incident. Football, he got hit in the chest. There's no question. This soccer player, but this soccer player is just the latest of many that this has happened to. It's just downright frightening. All right, before our final final, I want to thank Doug Horn for being a great sponsor of the podcast. Doug Horn at Horn Law wants to remind you that you need to be safe behind the wheel. It's your responsibility. A, B, C, D. Alert, buckled, cautious, and defensive. That's it. You have a responsibility. You see crazy drivers on the road. You know why accidents are up. You see people on the phone. You see people sitting at green lights, not moving because they're on their phone. You see them swerving in and out of traffic. You see speeding. You see all kinds of people on the road. That means it's more important for us to be even more alert and more cautious and make sure we're not caught up in that. It makes a difference. Every single driver can make a difference. You don't know how your good driving may have avoided accidents in your lifetime. You don't know how many you could have avoided, but that's what it's all about. It is your responsibility to drive with the highest degree of care in the operation of your vehicle. And Doug Horn lives by this, man. 32 years, he has seen the worst of the worst, and he wants it to be better. And that's why he asked me to talk so much about driver safety on this podcast. Happy to do it. Wear your seatbelt. Alert, buckled, cautious, defensive. A, B, C, D. Horn Law Firm is there for you. If you've been involved in an accident, you need legal representation, hornlaw.com or call Doug personally at 816-795-7500. 
The Blue Mountain Hotel in Manhattan is a great place for businesses, adding to their conference destination. With the NBAP facility there and industry revving up, the second fastest growing city in America is the Department of Agriculture's relocation, university upgrades, world-class golf, redevelopment in downtown and Aggieville. If you have a business opportunity there or soccer tournament, a ball tournament, baseball or softball this summer, Bluemont Hotel is where you want to stay. For sure, it's where you want to stay. BluemontHotel.com. BluemontHotel.com. And Tim Cross, my buddy over at Cross Kitchens. My friend, uh, Tony. Friend Tony was picking out countertops this weekend. Yeah. There's some. There's a fun day with the missus. Yeah, that's real fun. Paint swatches and countertops. Guys, it's okay if you let your wife go do it alone. Most guys go along and say, yes, dear. Oh, looks good, dear. Yes, that's an excellent color. Perfect choice. Perfect. Yes, thank you. That's what he did because Tim Cross is coming in to redo the man cave. I think Tony's probably been in his house about 22, 23 years, something like that. And he's like, we got to redo the man cave down here. Get it done, Tony. Let's get it done. We're going to be coming over this fall. We want to watch some Chiefs games in the man cave. Let's do it. Cross Kitchens KC is on that job. Family owned and operated. CrossKitchensKC.com, 816-898-7047. Good stuff. We watched the Oscars on Sunday night. It's been forever since we have watched the Oscars. And it was a working deal for me. I was in the office for a little bit, going over the brackets, setting some things up for the show today and whatnot, doing some of that. Printed the brackets out for Jessica to see hers. So, but we were watching, and boy, it was really boring in spots. But Jimmy Kimmel had some fun lines. There were only a couple of real shots at Republicans, but there were a couple of shots at liberals too. It seemed even. It seemed like it was maybe even. Like they've gotten the message. They put the big movie that everybody talks about, the, the two big movies, really, Top Gun and Avatar, that everybody saw. They were there, but the most important people from those two movies were not there. James Cameron, the director of Avatar, was not there. He was not nominated for Best Direction, so I guess he took his ball and went home. Tom Cruise was not nominated for Best Actor, so he wasn't there. Says he was off filming some clips or something for Mission Impossible. I don't know. It sounded to me like they were upset that they weren't nominated in their categories. Those were the movies that saved the movies this year. People went back to the theater, not like it once was, but the movie theaters for now have enough traffic that they're saved for today. They're figuring out ways to open these movies for the diehards for three or four weeks and then putting them on Netflix. They're, they're finding ways to massage the industry between what the artists want, and that is going to the movies. They want you to go watch on the big screen. And they also like, there, there is performance art to a movie. If you're sitting in the theater with a hundred other people, you know, you're in there with a hundred other people. There's an emotional connection. That's different. It's no, it's no different than watching a, if you're a KU basketball fan, watching a KU basketball game all by yourself in your chair is a lot different than going to the game with three buddies and 16,000 cheering fans. It's just two different experiences. So they want you back at the movies and Top Gun was really the one that they, they, they just flat out say they saved the movies. Top Gun saved the, the, the theaters. So we had this event and it took place and I thought, okay, good. They've, they've reached out. We, we got Top Gun. We got some things people can identify with like billions of dollars worth of sales between Top Gun and Avatar. A lot of people, millions and millions of people in this country saw those movies. I've never heard of everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you? This film was nominated for 11 awards. 
and it won seven. It is now the most decorated film of all time. So you're telling me a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once that nobody saw. I mean, nobody saw it. That nobody saw. Nobody knows who's in it. I can't tell you what it's about. I can't. They tried to describe what it's about. I don't know. It falls under the heading of science fiction. And it's now the first science fiction movie of all time to win the Oscar for Best Picture. I don't know. It looks like a collection of inclusion. But from the directors, the editors, the writers, the actors in it, it was like if you are if you were going to do a Coke commercial and you wanted everything under the rainbow right there with about 20 people, that was this. Is that why I want everything? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. I can't tell you. I'm certainly not going to tell you it's a bad movie. It must be a hell of a show. We'll probably watch it when it's streaming here at some point. Everything, everywhere, all at once. 11 nominations, seven wins. And it got so redundant and so boring. And my God, the little director guy that got up there and kept speaking was talking too long. At one point he says, I'm a little shy. You know, I'm like, you're not shy. You're not shy. You're up here doing your thing. And I didn't, look, I don't, I don't know enough about this. It's co-directors. They're both named Daniel. Are they a gay couple? I couldn't figure that out. I didn't know if they were, like, somehow the Oscars thought people were going to tune in and know about this. No, we don't know about something called everything, everywhere, all at once. This is something you need to explain to us. We need a lot more background on all this stuff going on here. If they're going to be up here seven times receiving awards and we just keep watching them and still don't know what the hell the movie's about or what, what I mean, I mean, nothing, nothing. Like three of you are going to send me emails and say, I saw the movie. It was great. That's right. Three of you. I'll get three emails. I'll get exactly three emails from people that saw this. Exactly three. And you're going to say, Kevin, you're missing out. You should have seen it. I'll see it. I will see it. I'm not bad-mouthing the movie. I'm bad-mouthing the Oscars because they made some funny jokes about the slap last year and they they were self-deprecating and it was okay. It was okay. But the redundancy of this movie and the same people coming up and receiving the awards over and over and over was the worst thing that could possibly happen. You had these big stars and big names sitting there and they weren't the ones coming up. It was crazy to see an actor called Brendan Fraser. You may, I remember him because the kids movies, he was in Tarzan movies when my kids were little. I had a birthday dinner-ish thing yesterday afternoon with my daughter. I said, you remember Brendan Fraser, uh, Tarzan? She goes, yeah. I said, he's up for best actor tonight. And he plays a guy that weighs 625 pounds and dies from eating too much. It's called The Whale. And I've not seen that one either, but I have watched clips of his performance. And pretty much everybody in Hollywood was in agreement that this is the performance of a lifetime by any actor ever, which we really haven't thought of with Brendan Fraser. I think he disappeared for a while. He was like out of Hollywood for 10 years or whatever. It sort of reminded me of uh, Mickey Rourke. Didn't he disappear for quite a while? Then he came back in a wrestler movie or something and maybe won an Oscar or was very celebrated for his performance. Sometimes these comeback actors are out of Hollywood for a while and they come back and get the role or performance of a lifetime. And Fraser did. He's lost most of the weight. He looks normal now. He didn't gain up to 625. He gained up to, but he gained up to like 300. He got big. He gained a lot of weight for this role. And then they tacked it on with makeup and stuff like that. And uh, it was cool to see him win because the movie... It was the only other movie I really remember. Everything else just got ignored last night. Like, okay, that guy won it for The Whale, and then everything, everywhere, all at once won everything else. 11 nominations and seven wins. Congratulations to them. And I don't know what the Oscars could have done about it because once they tabulate the votes, 
But they know, I guess, try to space out the winners so it doesn't seem like an onslaught one after another or maybe eliminate some of them so they're not up there so often. Just announce them and don't give them speeches. I don't know. But it seemed a shame that they had these big movies that everybody came back to the theaters this year after COVID and saw Top Gun and Avatar and uh, nothing. Like nothing. Something called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once won all seven categories for Best Picture and uh, Directing and Acting and all these other things at the Oscars. All right, it's going to be a fun week. The tournament's here. This is going to be a blast, folks. Can't thank you enough for tuning in to KKHI as you do each and every day. Hit that like, follow, or subscribe button if you don't mind. If you haven't done that yet, please do it. It is important. Or tell somebody you know about the podcast and let them know to hit the like, follow, or subscribe button. That's free. We'd love to have them get a notification every day that the podcast is up and the opportunity to listen right here at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs)